Well, amen. Good to be here this evening. I'm glad you're here, or I'd be here by myself. Amen. <laughs> so, well, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. As we get uh, started into our message for this evening, I have a question for you. Well, actually, I have two questions uh, that uh, pertains to the message tonight. The first question is this. You ready? All right. Just check and see if you're awake. Are you spending your trust fund? I'll let you think about that. And the second question is this. What are you hiding? As we consider the text tonight, I think there's two characteristics in the body of Christ that is basically the lifeline of the church. I think the first uh, of those characteristics is soul winning. I believe that soul winning is a lifeline of the church. If, if we're not winning people to Christ, then it's a possibility that our church will become stagnant like the Dead Sea. You need the new uh, spirit of a newborn believer in the body. That generates uh, excitement. It generates fervor. It generates power. So, the second aspect, I think, and you know, it's just me thinking this, and you can agree or disagree, but the second aspect, I believe, for the power to be exemplified in the body is the commands that Jesus has given to us, the one another commands. So we're commanded to love one another. We're commanded to prefer one another. We're commanded to edify one another. And these one another commands, I believe, will generate in the body unity And with unity, there's power. Without unity, uh, it just doesn't work. So I believe those two aspects are important in the body. Now, my question would be, how are we doing? You know, this has a, a... great effect on our community. Both of those will have a great effect on our community. 
Have you ever seen a fire truck go by and uh, you just wanted to follow that fire truck to see where the fire was? Well, I believe that is exactly what happens when we're soul winners and when we're one another Christians. I believe that gives the fire, the fervency, and the power to the body of Christ. Just my thinking. And you can agree or disagree. It's up to you. But I believe it's true. Are you spending your trust fund? Well, what is, what is, a, uh, what is a trust? Well, it's a commitment by someone to a person to care or manage their substance. That's a trust. It carries with it an accounting that has to be rendered. So the question tonight, two questions. Are you spending your trust fund? And are or what are you hiding? Well, let's look at our text this evening. And I think as we get into our text, it will explain more of the questions that I have asked. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 1, it says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. As we look at that word, therefore, it, it, it captures the information that has been presented before uh, that and so chapter number three emphasizing, emphasizes the, the Old Testament law. And it emphasizes the contrast between the Old Testament law and the uh, grace of the Spirit. And the Spirit gives life, but the letter of the law killeth. That's, that's where chapter number three is. We get into chapter number four. I think it's emphasizing uh, the importance of the uh, spirit of grace in our life as a Christian. So verse uh, number two. But having renounced the hidden things of darkness, dishonesty and walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully but by manifestation of the truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now that uh, particular statement is a, that's a powerful statement. Is your conscience clear 
with every man? Is your conscience clear? Let's say you went to the uh, gas station today and gassed up. And there was somebody on the other side pumping gas as well. Is your conscience clear with that person? That, that's what this scripture's saying. So I would have to stop right there and say, you're guilty. I'm guilty. We come in contact with people that we just ignore. But God puts them there for a purpose. Everyone is going to spend eternity somewhere. And it may depend upon you and me where they spend eternity. And so as we read on. Verse number three says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should Shine on them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commended the light to shine out of darkness, but has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, in the face of Jesus Christ. So the question, are you spending your trust fund? Could I say that this evening that, that whatever, it doesn't matter what it is, uh, the definition for trust is something that is given to a person to care or manage. So in reality, everything that we have in life, God has given it to us and we're responsible to care for it or to manage it. And one day we'll give an account of how we managed or cared for what he put in our care. And uh, could I say tonight, according to the scriptures, he's put the gospel of Jesus Christ into our care. As we look at our, our text this evening, I, I have devised five important aspects to Spending our trust fund. Now, five, you say, wow, you turned me off already. Five. 
I could have had more, but I just narrowed it down to five. <laughs> but I do not have very many sub points, so five will go, I hope, quickly. <laughs> all right? We'll see. Let's notice, first of all, number one, the mandate of the trust. Notice in verse uh, one what it says. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry. So the, the mandate here is that we have been given a ministry. And as we consider that ministry, we, we think about the, the ministry. It says we have. Now, could I ask you a question? That word have, what does that really mean? We possess it, Right? We, and uh, let me ask you that question. Who does that include? We. Well, let me tell you the answer. It's every Christian. And we have the responsibility, the mandate uh, for us. We have this ministry. Now, what are we going to do with the ministry that we have been given. And certainly as we uh, consider the mandate, uh, we see that it is personal. In other words, it, you have this ministry as well as I have this ministry. And so it's a, it's a personal ministry. You've been given this ministry and how are you going to care or manage this ministry is a very important aspect. And as we consider the, the personal uh, aspect of the trust, we see the provisional aspect as well. You know, God doesn't ask you to do anything that he does not equip you to do. So we see the, 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 whatever that word was, the provisional uh, aspect. Notice uh, in verse number one, the latter part, it says, as we have received mercy, we faint not. So the, the provision that, that God has given to us and equipped you to be a soul winner is your personal testimony. And that's what the scripture said as we consider that. It says, as we have received mercy. So the same way you receive Christ as your personal Savior is the same way you can tell someone else how to know Christ as their personal Savior. And it emphasizes that as we have received mercy. So we've been given salvation. Then we have the responsibility to give what we have received back to someone else. And so the scripture uh, gives us the provisional aspect of this trust. It says we have received mercy. 
And then it, the latter part says we uh, faint not. So the provisional aspect of that is God's provided the strength. And what is the strength? Your personal salvation. And then he's provided also the steadfastness that we faint not. So what that's emphasizing, that we should not neglect giving out the gospel to those we come in contact with from day to day. So the mandate is personal and it's provisional. Then we see the malady. The malady emphasizes that, that there's a problem. And so the malady of the trust, and that's uh, found as we look at uh, verse number three. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. You know, if we, if we hide the gospel that's not necessarily going to affect our brothers and sisters. It will affect us. But it's not going to affect our brothers and sisters, but it is going to affect the community at large. So if we hide our gospel, uh, it's hidden to the lost. That's the malady of the trust. And so we see the casualty. What would the casualty be? As we think about the casualty, it's hiding the gospel. You know, in Romans uh, 10, 13, all of us can quote that scripture. <clears throat> and it merely states, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But the verses following that are equally as important to that statement. I believe that if a person will place their trust in Jesus Christ and call upon Him, uh, depending upon what He did for them on the cross, that if they ask Jesus for salvation, He gives them eternal life. Amen. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But wait a minute. Verse number 14 says this, and this, this is a question. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? So we see believing is important, right? You can't, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And faith is the key for salvation. We're, we're saved by faith. And then it goes on to ask another question. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? So, it's hard for them to believe without hearing. Amen. Then it emphasizes this aspect. 
How shall they hear without a preacher? So you see the casualty of hiding the gospel. People need to believe. And they can't believe unless they hear. And they can't hear unless somebody tells them. So it's, it's, it's a casualty that perhaps we face every day when we hide the gospel. So we see the uh, casualty. And then we see the consequence. And of course, the consequence is emphasized that if we hide the gospel, it's hid to them that are lost. And verse number 17 sums up believing, hearing, and telling. Verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we see the mandate. We see the malady. Then let's notice as we uh, consider the meddlers. You know, there's always, there's always something, meddlers, uh, people that meddle into other people's business, meddler. So <clears throat> there's always a hindrance placed when you have the opportunity to witness. There, there's, always, there's always the meddler that's hanging around. And <clears throat> as we look at the scripture, <coughs> excuse me, it emphasizes in verse number four, uh, one of the meddlers that is mentioned in this verse. Verse uh, number four uh, says this. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So one of the meddlers is uh, the foe, Satan. And uh, there, there's always something that is placed there to distract. Uh, I, I have been uh, in the home uh, witnessing to uh, folks and just when you get right to the, the very crux of leading someone to Christ, someone would knock on the door or the telephone would ring or some distraction. The kid would cry, uh, the dog would bark, the cat would meow. Uh, the, the, but I'm, what I'm saying is there's a distraction. And it's the foe. Satan does not want people to trust Christ as their Savior. And then uh, not only is it the foe, but there's false teachers. There, there are people that believe uh, false information. 
that hinder uh, you being a witness. I've gone out and, and uh, knocked on the door and uh, nobody came and I, I, I heard somebody in there so I knocked a little harder and no response so I knocked a little harder and finally they came to the door and I introduced myself and told them uh, I was from the church and, and they said this. No, I thought you were a Jehovah's Witness. False teachers. They hinder uh, sometimes you presenting the gospel of Christ. And then not only are there false teachers, but I've, I've got scriptures for this, but um, we'll move on. We have the foe, the false teachers, and then we have faltering Christians. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 18, it says for this, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things. You know, the Bible says that friendship with the world is enemy of Christ. And so when we are worldly living, then that hinders. You cannot witness uh, and, and live in the world and be a witness. You, you can say it, but it's empty. And so the scriptures certainly emphasize the mandate. What was the second one? The malady. And what was the third one? The meddlers. All right, you're listening. I'm almost shocked. All right, number four. The method. You know, God has a method for everything. And it's the method that he has uh, for the fund that he has given to you is for you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sharing Christ, as verse number five uh, indicates, it says, <clears throat> For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Amen. So sharing the gospel, that, that's the method that this ministry holds, and it's a personal ministry. It's your ministry and my ministry, and so uh, we must share the gospel. Because it's, the Bible says, it's the foolishness of preaching. That's where the power is. You, know, you can say 
anything you want to say to someone, but if you're not using the Word of God, it's going to be empty. And that's where the power is with yielding to the Holy Spirit's leadership, presenting the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit will take the Word of God, which is powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and will pierce the hardest of hearts. When I was out in California, when we were out in California, I uh, pastored a small church. Uh, It had a lot of problems before I went. And the people really that were there, the the handful, they, they really didn't want church. And so it became difficult to build the church. However, there was a lady in the church and her uh, husband, she played the piano and, and uh, her husband was lost. She was uh, elderly, well, she was older than I was. I was probably 35. But <clears throat> she, he was lost. And she asked me if I would come by and visit with him. So I did go by and visit uh, with him. I went in and, and uh, introduced myself and, and sat down on the couch and he uh, sat beside me and we engaged in a conversation and I uh, took him through the plan of salvation. And he stood up and became very angry because he had brain cancer and he was angry and mad at God because he had that brain cancer. And so I uh, pleasantly left and she asked me if I would come back by again and I went back probably a couple of weeks later and I knocked on the door and she answered the door and, and uh, she spoke my name. And when she spoke my name, the man came immediately to the door. And I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm in trouble. And uh, he said, come on in. And it wasn't probably five minutes after I got into the house that he knelt down and trusted Christ as his personal Savior. So what did that? The gospel. The Holy Spirit worked on him uh, from the time that I had presented the gospel to him. The Holy Spirit worked on him and the word of God pierced his hard heart. He trusted Christ as his personal Savior. It wasn't a month later that he died. The gospel is what we need to share. And you never know how much time the person you have that you're engaging in conversation, you don't know how much time they have. 
You don't know how much time you have. Amen. So sharing the gospel is extremely important. And then shining the light. Amen. Shining the light. We know Matthew uh, tells us about letting your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So, number one, the mandate. Number two, the malady. Number three, the meddlers. Number four, the message. Number five, the motivation. The motivation. So, as we uh, consider the motivation, we notice verse uh, number six. It says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What ought to motivate you to be a soul winner? Well, somebody led you to the Lord. And the scriptures emphasize that that because we have uh, received Christ as our personal Savior, it ought to be a personal motivation uh, to get the gospel out to every creature as the Bible says. So motivation. Then uh, verse number seven says this. It's a powerful verse. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So, the question, are you spending your trust fund Or what are you hiding? Now we presented that salvation, sharing the gospel. But whatever Christ has given to you as an individual, both of these questions are valid. Because one day we will give an account. For how we cared. And Jesus gave a a very valuable picture of this. When he gave 
the talents out. He gave five talents to one, two talents to another, one talent to another. The five got five. The two got two. The one hid his in the ground. So these two categories tonight is placed before you and it's up to you how you respond to the Word of God. Amen. Father, we thank you for the scriptures, the challenge. Lord, honestly, all of us have failed and are failing. Help us to take to heart your word that we might become concerned about the lost. We'll give you the praise through Christ our Redeemer. Amen.